I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher at Grace and Truth Ministries. I'm teaching on the coronavirus and what caused it. What caused it was God. It's God's judgment. I don't care if the Chinese people made a mistake or if somebody else uh, brought this about. It doesn't matter. God manipulates people to bring about his judgments. And the coronavirus is one of God's judgments. It's called in the Bible pestilence. Pestilence is the word deburr. Deburr. And uh, that is that means a devastating disease. God says, I'll send pestilence if you don't keep my my commandments and my statutes my commandments and statutes if you listen to these preachers today they're preaching lies there's things that they're not preaching they're not preaching daily cross you have to be condemned to a daily cross in fact in the first century you had to be condemned to a cross you couldn't be condemned to a cross if you were a Roman citizen. You had to be a slave or a criminal. And Jesus was crucified as a criminal for breaking the law and calling himself God and violating the Sabbath. Uh, these charismatics and Baptists and all the rest of the preachers in the world, they're not preaching truth. Therefore, how can you keep God's commandments and his statutes, as the Bible says in Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter? God says, if you don't do that, I'll send the sword. I'll send the famine. I'll send the pestilence, the dabar, and I'll send the beast. Israel went for a a 500-year period under kings from Saul, the first king, to Zedekiah, the last king. And when you get into first kings, the first kings in Samuel, in first and second Samuel, that was a fight over the throne between Samuel and David. They weren't worshiping these sun and tree gods in first and second Samuel. The sun god was called Baal, and the tree goddess was called the grove. She was always identified with the moon, and the sun god was identified with the fire. Now, because they kept going after these idol gods, they were not keeping the commandments of God. Therefore, the priests were not preaching truth, the prophets were trying to tell truth, but most of the prophets in Israel had apostatized and gone after these other gods. When I'm talking about the Charismatics and the Baptists, about how they're going after other gods, you say, what do you mean? I haven't heard of Baptists or Charismatics worshiping idols. The god they're going after is self now, God is the word theos. 
Lord is the word kurios. It means, both of these means one who is ruling. Theos means judge or magistrate. God is our only judge or, judge or magistrate. Kurios means Lord, one who rules over you and tells you by his word what you're supposed to be doing and how you're supposed to be living. Now these charismatics and the Baptist and the rest of the rest the reason I say charismatics and Baptist, the charismatics are one of the largest, fastest growing I don't want to call them religions. They're an apostate religion. It's a false religion. Everything they're teaching goes against keeping the statutes and commandments of God. They teach they teach tongues, and that's not true. Pentecostal tongues is one of the emotional lies that they preach. They've got a lot of people believing they're speaking in tongues when they just let your tongue go and say, Shandalamanda, Kandai, Shandai, Shabamaka, Lekishika. Sounds ridiculous, and it is. Because that's all they're doing is letting themselves get involved in that silliness. There's two words have been translated tongues. This is why we're not keeping the commandments or statutes. The preachers in America are lying from all the pulpits. Tongues is either glossa or dialectos. Now they had a different dialect. Dialectos is the word dialect. They had a different dialect of the common street language in every city-state. Wherever you would go, they had one in Israel that was called the Hebrew dialect. It wasn't a Hebrew language. It was a Jewish dialect of the common street language. Of Greek. It was the Greek. That was a common language, just like we have a dialect in the south. We say, y'all, and they got dialects up in the north, and they say, you guys, and then they have a dialect over in the Washington, D.C. area where they say, Ewanses. So they've got that everywhere in the country. And then glossa, we get our word glossary from that. And when they jabber in these Pentecostal churches, that's all it is. If you're doing that, you're involved in not keeping the statutes and commandments of God. This is an entire story. I did one, I've done dozens of messages on this. I've got one DVD that's got four messages on tongues. I tell you everything it's about. The tongues thing started over here in the Old Testament when Israel was a nation under kings. And they went after Baal in the grove, the sun and the tree god. And by the way, the grove was the same thing as the Christmas tree. Now, because they went after Bell in the Grove, that's directly tied to tongues because they were scattered all over the world. Throughout the world, you can't understand Pentecostal tongues if you understand this. They were given, the Jewish men were given three festivals they had to come back to in the year. They had to come back to Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Ingathering, 
gathering. But when they'd been scattered in 722 B.C. by the Assyrians, and in 586 B.C., they were scattered by by the uh, Babylonians. They end up in lands all over the world, and they cease to speak their Hebrew language. That's more or less outlawed by the head rabbis and said, this is a holy language. And they said, in order to do anything in the synagogue or the temple, you have to speak in Hebrew and you got to give Hebrew money. Even though the world exchange was Greek coins. So Hebrew is only spoken by certain scholarly people that are Pharisees or rabbis or doctors of the law and not the law of God but of that traditionary law so by the time they're coming back to all of these festivals they none of them can even communicate with each other because they live in cities all over the world well what is wrong with that you just don't have any idea what tongues is about if you're a Pentecostal. Now, I know you'll call me and you'll email me and write to me and say, well, I know I speak in tongues. I feel it. What you feel doesn't have anything to do with anything. If you depart from definition and you depart from the history of it all, you just departed from truth. If you depart from this, you're not speaking in tongues and you can't be obedient to God according to what God says and you tell people, well, you've got to speak in tongues and be filled with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the same thing as the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is truth. And that's taking off the cover. When I take the cover off of tongues... All that's doing is confusing a bunch of sincere people. A lady told me one day, she said, I speak in tongues. I said, I didn't bat an eye. I said, that's your imagination. You're not. I don't beat around the bush. We've got to use great plainness of speech, but you cannot use great plainness, parhesia, blunt, to be blunt, to the point, that's a word there in Second Corinthians 3.12, blunt, to the point, and it will say in your concordance, do not circumvent. That word circumvent has a meaning in our language. It means to, you come up to a point and you just circle around it. That means to beat around the bush. Beat around the bush. Don't do that. Sing we have such hope. We use great. The word is pos and areo. It means to speak all the truth of the Word of God. 
but you can't if you don't define it. That's why the charismatics with their tongues. And when you get to Acts 2, these are Jews from every nation under heaven. That is an atrocity to say it's Pentecostal tongues. It's blasphemy. And if you're doing it, you need to stop that. You can't even go back to Israel being scattered and go back to the, the three festivals. And every year the males have to come all the time Israel's scattered. And they're developing languages all over the world. They have to come back and I've got a picture. I have done this so many times. This is a picture of the Mediterranean world. And these arrows all point to Jerusalem. And this is all the Jews coming to Jerusalem from over here in what we call Iraq. And they're coming from, they're coming from uh, all this area up here. They're coming from Turkey. They're coming from Sardis and Ephesus and Pergamos. And they're coming from Greece. And they're coming from Rome. And there's some over here in Sicily. And there's some over in, they're over in Spain, in what we call France. They're over in that area, and they're coming back for, this is out of the Compendia. Compendia has got a ton of information. And it's out of volume one or two of the Jews in the first century. In the first century. And that's the truth, whether you like it or not, Pentecostals. When you teach Pentecostal tongues, that is one of the most confusing things. How do you know all this, Jim? I have spent my life studying it. I used to be a gospel singer. I'd go into churches where they would stand up and start jabbering. That's all it is. You are blaspheming God and you're lying to people when you tell them there's Pentecostal tongues. What you're doing is confusing their life. You have no business doing that. If you stop and think, by the time when they would meet at these three festivals prior to Acts 2, they couldn't even understand one another because they were coming from all over the world and these people up here in Corinth or up here in Athens in Greece, they spoke the dialect of the Koine there. The people in Rome had a different dialect up here in Rome. They had a different dialect over in Carthage. They had a different dialect here in Berenice and Cyrene. This is that gulf of of uh, Libya that Ronald Reagan blockaded that during Gaddafi's reign and they're all coming back here well what did they do prior to Acts 2 the compendium will tell you you can't even study this if you believe in Pentecostal tongues this is history what you're doing denying history when you get into Pentecostal tongues. What were they doing before Acts 2? The compendia tells us they would get there and they were all speaking all these different dialects and they were more than just on this map. They were going all the way over there to Spain, right there at the Rock of Gibraltar as you enter 
through the Strait of Gibraltar going into the Atlantic Ocean area. They were all over the Mediterranean speaking all of these dialects. That's why they said, how here we ever man in our own dialect wherein we were born. This man coming over here from Cyrene, coming over here to Jerusalem, when he leaves Jerusalem, he follows Jesus. Jesus falls because the cross is too heavy. And a Cyrenian picked up his cross and helped him. But he was there for that festival of the Passover. That was their requirement. You find that in the 23rd chapter of Exodus. But if you're believing Pentecostal tongues, you're in a state of total confusion and you're denying history and the word of God. What they were doing before Acts 2, the compendia tells us, they were building all kinds of synagogues in Jerusalem, all over Jerusalem, that have a, that have a, a Babylonian synagogue. This is Babylon down here. They would have an Ethiopian synagogue. They would have a, a synagogue for the people on western Turkey that that's called Asia Minor that have a synagogue for the people from Athens and Corinth that have a synagogue for the people from Rome so that when they at least got to Jerusalem they could go to the respective synagogues and they could speak in the same dialect and they would understand one another the same tongue only reason it was translated tongue. you see Jim you talk about that a lot I believe Pentecostalism is one of the most corrupt things in the it's a false Christianity there's no tongues no faith healing what they're doing they're doing the same thing the people today are doing the same thing that the Pharisees were doing the Pharisees put their spin put their spin on the law on the law now let me erase some of this and show you what I'm talking about this tongues thing is Pentecostal spin on what the Bible doesn't say they have made it up you say, Jim, you sound like you really resent that. I resent anybody taking God's word and saying something it doesn't say and make the word of God a lie. The only reason they do that, the Bible tells us why they do that. It tells us over there in Second Peter, a verse that I've used as kind of a springboard verse in all of this. In Second Peter the third chapter verse 16 also all of his epistles Peter is speaking of Paul's epistles speaking in them of those things in which some things are hard to be understood they he says here's why they misunderstand the writings of Paul which they that are unlearned first of all they're unlearned Amethes, A-M-A-T-H-E-S. Amethes 
comes from the word mathetes. Mathetes is the word disciple. Disciple means a learner. Disciple. It means a learner. That is the word mathetes. And we get our word mathematics from that. You have to go by the laws of God's book. You can't take dialects and glossa, which means foreign language. We get our word glossary from glossa. And it, you can't make it mean Pentecostal jabbering tongues. Let me tell you all a secret, Pentecostals. Baptists don't believe in tongues overall. And they won't tell you that they don't believe in it because they don't understand what I just put up here. But they don't believe in it. And they won't tell you that. And they won't preach against it. I'll preach against anything that's lies. And that's a lie. That's an emotional thing you get involved in. And you like it because you get down the aisle in some Pentecostal church and get jumping around. And the adrenaline runs in your body. And you get excited. You think this must be true because I'm so excited. And it's not. Emotions doesn't have anything to do with the truth. If emotions accompany the truth, that's okay. But if emotions are substitute for the truth, it's a lie. And I know all about Pentecostalism. Gospel music has been built on the Pentecostal doctrine. Most of the gospel singers that I travel with in the 60s, most of them, or Pentecostals, tongue-speaking faith healers. That is, that is godless. If you make something mean something it doesn't mean, if you leave the definition, I give definition of words here. If you leave the definition, you've gone into a lie. I don't care how good you feel about it. It's like I've said, go to a hospital bed for somebody who's been a wonderful, godly person all their life for the last 50 years, and they just love the Lord with all their heart, and, and they're just deathly ill with cancer, and they can't hardly talk. Go on there and say, do you feel saved? What they're going to say is, nurse, get that man out of here. I don't feel like talking like this. They may say yes, but it will feel good and they're not excited. That don't mean they're not a believer. Now, these men that don't understand Paul's words, they're unlearned. Amethase. Methase is a form of mathetase, which is mathematics. You've got to go by the mathematical rules math rules you got to go by all the axioms and define everything the alpha in front of a word negates the word as a negative particle amethase means no learning no disciple and what does it take to be a disciple a cross a daily cross if he that beareth not his cross and follows after me cannot be my disciple. In order to have a cross, you have to be persecuted and put on a daily cross. 
If any man will come after him, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Follow. Take, deny, and follow are all imperative commands. The same kind of command that Jesus said when he said, Let there be light. And there was light. Take, deny, follow. Follow is the word akulatheo, A-K-O-U-L-A-T-H-E-O. It means to be in the same way with unless you're in the narrow way. And the Pentecostals say, God wants everybody rich. That is just the most corrupt thing in the world to say that. He doesn't want everybody rich. If you believe that, why don't you go to Calcutta, India, and walk up and down the street and tell them, all you have to do is positive confession and say it with your mouth, and you've got all these poverty-stricken people in the streets of Calcutta, a million of them laying in the streets, starving. Just tell them all, just say positive words with your mouth, and you'll have a Cadillac next week. Cadillac, Cadillac, I got a Cadillac. Positive confession is idiocy. You say, Jim, you sound like you're angry at that. Well, you're lying to poor people to get them to send their last nickel. The charismatics will say, go borrow it from your uncle or your aunt. That crazy uh, R.W. Schambach said in one of his meetings, he said, don't send $1,000. Go send 2000 and borrow it from your family. And he didn't care. He died and went to hell. I believe that. They say God wants everybody rich and they twist the word of God just like the Pharisees did with their traditionary law. This is the reason for the coronavirus more than anything else is twisting God's word. You cannot be obedient to his laws and commandments according to the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy if you don't know what the truth is when the preacher is twisting and perverting the word of God. You can't figure out what it is. Most people that go to church in America are fooled by their preachers. All the charismatics are lying just as sure as they're talking. Joyce Myers lies. So does Fred Price. They say you're supposed to have everything you want. Fred Price says he rides down through a poor part of town and he rides in his Rolls Royce uh, driving by a person riding a bicycle and he says he's got bicycle faith I've got Rolls Royce faith no you are corrupt that's called oppressing the poor so what they do they take the word of God prosper health and they say John tells guys I wish above all things Thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. And then they say, 
If you will send Kenneth Copeland your seed faith. Your seed. And they say seed is dollar bills. And that's a lie. Look at Look over here at, uh, I'm not through with that Second Peter verse. But look over here in Luke 8. Luke, the 8th chapter. This is the parable of the sower. And he's sowing seed. But he's not sowing money. Luke 8. And he'll tell you what the seed is. So he tells this parable about the four seeds that are sown. And the first one, a soul went out to sow in verse 5. And some of the, he sowed and some fell by the wayside. He's talking about planting seed that will grow. And it's, and it's, this is a parable and it's, it's figurative language. And it was trodden down and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon rock and as soon as it sprung up, it withered because it lacked moisture. Moisture is water, and in a spiritual sense, this is the Holy Spirit, which is living water, according to the fourth chapter of John. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. Choked, sumpanego or apopanego, means to strangle. Apo. P-N-I-G-O. It means to strangle with. It the, It's strangled and something causes it to strangle. And some fell on good ground and sprang up. And the Bible says over in Mark, the 13th chapter, which is the same parable of the sower, that the what happens... When persecution and affliction arises, these people that are sown among thorns, they are offended. Scandalizo, which means they're tripped up. And then he says, in verse 9, his disciples ask him, saying, what might be this parable? And he said unto you, it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. I'm not going to go into that in detail. Mystery, mustery, it means unrevealed facts. And it's only revealed to whomsoever God will. And that's predestinated elect family. But to the others in the parables, they sing that seeing they might not see and hearing they might not hear. The hearing, hearing, the seeing eye of the Lord to made even both of them. Then he says, he tells you what the seed is in verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. 
If you sow seed, you can only sow the word. Seed is the word sporos. Sporos means to spore. When you spore seed, that's plural. That's many seed. The farmer walks out through the field and reaches in his bag and he spores the seed. The single of this word spore is the word sperma. It's our word sperm. It's masculine gender. I have never seen a dollar bill that's masculine. Prosper, euhodos, euhodos, it's actually euhodao, which is a form of you and odos, e-u-o-d-o-o, and it breaks down to euhodos. You means well, and hodos means way or journey. If there is a well way, there's a bad way. And there's two ways. The well way is the narrow way that leads to eternal life. And only a few will find this narrow way. And narrow is the word thalibo. And that's the verb form of thalipsis, which is tribulation. That's the word tribulation. Every time you find it, and Paul said, we must through much tribulation enter the kingdom of God. So there's two ways, a well way and a broad way that leads to destruction. And many there be that go in there. Most people are going to hell when they die. And only a few are God's predestinated elect. They use that and they stick their name on the end of it. If you send us your seed faith, it's idiocy. You say, why do you get so upset? They're lying to the church, confusing the people, and they're going to stand before God one day and say, haven't we prophesied in thy name, thy name cast out devils, and thy name done many wonderful works? He's going to say, depart from you that work iniquity. I never knew you. I believe most Pentecostal evangelists and preachers are going to hell, especially the positive confession people. They're robbing the poor. They're robbers. They are not Christian preachers. I don't believe Kenneth Copeland is anymore going to heaven. He's just not going. Now, what they're trying to do is get, they're preying on the poor. It is the poor that's backed against the wall and they're looking for a miracle way out and these guys will say send all the money you can a lot of people resent the word tithe because they say it's not in the new testament yes it is it's in first corinthians the ninth chapter and it's in hebrews the seventh chapter and there was a transfer of the tithe And the charismatics use the word tithe to get you to send 25 or 30 percent of your money. They'll say, send all you can, give all you can, and God has to give you a hundredfold back. And then they use a verse over there in Mark. Before I go to that, let me finish this right here. 
in Mark the 10th chapter they're hundredfold I'll go to that in just a minute to finish this verse these people are unlearned they don't know Pentecostals know nothing about tongues nothing and if you've got this emotional feeling that you've been speaking in tongues you haven't you have to be speaking in gloss of foreign languages that's what's used over in 1 Corinthians the 14th chapter gloss of that Corinth was the most busy city in the world in the first century you can look that up in McClinic and Strong and they had everybody coming through Corinth all over the Mediterranean region and they had dozens and dozens of glossa in that church and Paul said to the Corinthians I would rather speak five words in a tongue that be understood than 10,000 words in an unknown glossa he said everything has to be understood don't you come in here in Corinth and start talking in a Espana or a Spanish language without an interpreter don't come in here speaking French without an interpreter or Franks is what they called them back then and don't come in here speaking over here in this dialect without an interpreter so they had all these glosses there that's why it only uses gloss in the 14th chapter of 1st Corinthians then he goes on to say they're unlearned this is back in 2nd Peter 3 16 they're unlearned and they're unstable unstable osterao means they're not firm in anything they say Stereo means to be to stand to stand firm or to be planted immovable and the alpha in front of that means no stability these people that are unlearned they're not stable at anything they say you seem like Jim you've got it against the Pentecostals they're lying to the public they're stealing from everybody they're stealing from the poor and the downtrodden if you're poor and you've been giving money to those people don't you do that they can't give you miracles I've had people call me and say my mother has sent them everything she can get a hold of for the last 30 years well her ship never did come in they can't bring it in that's just not true and they rest the scriptures Striblao. That's verse 16 of the third chapter of 2 Peter. Streblao. It means to twist. And I like that this other definition. To torture. The Pentecostals are torturing the Bible and torturing the scriptures. They say they can lay hands on somebody and demand that they be healed. I challenge you if you're a Pentecostal go find somebody that's dying with coronavirus and lay hands on them and heal them you will die with the virus yourself 
you're not going to do that. You know that's not true. It's funny to me that can heal uh, diseases that you can't see. They can heal a headache. They'll have a pain in their stomach, and they'll say it's cancer, but they don't have any proof of that. And they'll lay hands on it and heal that. But they won't lay their hands on coronavirus and pretend to heal that. They won't go to a hospital where they're leukemia victims and they're on their deathbed and heal them. You don't ever hear that. It's the difference in diseases. You've got diseases that are chronic and they're permanent and the people are going to die from it. We've got a lady that is associated with our ministry at 11 and she's got a disease that her mother had and she says, I'm going to die of this. I challenge you to go out there and lay hands on her and heal her. There's no such thing as faith healing. Faith saves, it doesn't heal. Perhaps the Pentecostals don't know this, but every time you see the words, thy faith hath made thee whole. Whole every time is the word sozo. How do you know that, Jim? I'll tell you what you do. You take the you take your strongs, you look up the word, and you look up the number of saved, and then you go to the word study concordance or go to the Englishman's concordance in the Greek. Look up that word saved. It'll tell you every time the word sozo is mentioned in the Bible. And every time thy faith has made thee whole, it's the word sozo, it's the word saved. Faith saves, it does not heal. And these people are corrupting God's word. Anyone who corrupts the word of God they're not my friend and they're not God's friend. And what they're trying to be is friends with all the poor people in the world so they can meet their need and cause them to come into money. It's just lies. That's all it is. They rest the scriptures as they do also other scriptures unto their own destruction. They're going to be destroyed. You say, how can you say that Kenneth Copeland, no man is judged. Yes, we are to judge righteous judgment. If a man never has any fruit of the Spirit, and he doesn't, he has no love. That's not love, stealing men's property, stealing their money, getting them to send you money. And he's got his name right under this Third John 2. I wish that you would prosper and be in health if you send your money to Kenneth Copeland. Here's what bothers me. Why can't I send my money to the poor? Why can't I give it to the poor and God will reward me? I was going to give you a while ago. Mark 10. Mark the 10th chapter. They want to they want to tell everybody you can be rich if you send me your money. That's insane. 
there's more Christians across the world that have no money than are in America. Do I believe 330, 50 million people in America are all believers? I believe there's a small number of believers, a very few. If you go across the world, there's a lot of people that are poor. And if you believe this, you should go overseas and tell all of them, all you have to do is say positive words. That is corrupt. And they say you can create your own world with positive confession. Not true. They use all these verses. I don't know why I got on this. I have such a resentment against the positive confession people because I've studied the Word of God and it don't say what they're saying in the original Greek text. And most of the time, it don't say what they're saying in the English text. Now, they don't research enough. Look here in Mark 10. Mark 10. This is why the coronavirus is here. The world is corrupt with lies from the pulpits. I keep saying you're not saved by a sinner's prayer. Even though the Bible says this is where the Baptists twist and wrench the scriptures. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So they preach a sinner's prayer for salvation. That's not the method. Read the next verse, verse 14. How shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? Belief is the method of salvation, not a prayer. But you will call after you believe. But the only reason you'll believe is because God put belief in your heart, because none seeks after God. Keep remembering, believe. And this really bothered me as a young man. And faith. By grace he is saved through faith. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Believe is the verb form of the noun faith. P-I-S-T-I-S. That's faith. P-I-S-T-E-U-O. Word endings are changed depending on the character of the word. They're the same thing. That's the way you're saved. But you don't seek God and you don't have faith and you can't believe. So he has to put it in your heart as one of his predestinated elect family. Predestination's true. If you're going to live right now, back here to Mark 10. Jesus meets this rich young ruler and he says, Lord, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? He said, why are you calling me good? If I'm good, I'm God. Only God's good. And Jesus told him, sell all that you have and give to the poor because you're lacking one thing. You're covetous. That's the God that America's serving. We may not bow to sun gods that Israel bowed to. We may not bow to bow to uh, tree goddesses. We do bow to the Christmas tree. We get down on our knees at Christmas time. I don't do Christmas. I don't believe in it. It's Christmas. 
It's Roman Catholic. It's the mass of Roman Catholicism. Goodness gracious. I can't believe preachers can't figure that out. It's Catholicism. Can't believe that. Now I started putting something on the board and I nearly forgot what it was. I need to erase some of this. I can't write it with this. Now, we're talking about the corruption of the Word of God. How can you be obedient to God's statutes and His laws if you corrupt the Word of God? And all the preachers in America have corrupted the Word of God. Accept Christ, sinner's prayer, tongues, faith healing. All that's a lie. Slain in the Spirit. Slay, to slay means to kill. The Bible says the Spirit quickeneth. Zupoel makes alive. It doesn't kill. It zupoel, P-O-I-L. That is, that's imagination that has caught hold in all these charismatic Pentecostal churches and now you've got a little two-bit so-called faith healers whacking people on the head and you can see them on TV and a woman named Catherine Kuhlman started that. She was a big Pentecostal evangelist in the 50s and 60s. She went out whacking people. She'd come out on stage, the great big flowing robe, and it looked like wings flowing down, raising it up like this. She looked like, I keep saying she looked like Barbara Steele. Barbara Steele played in all those old black and white scary movies in the 50s. And she'd come out looking like some witch. And that's what Catherine Kuhlman looked like. And she was whacking people and they were falling down. She wasn't as good at it as her, as her student, Benny Hinn. He, has, he was slinging his coat at the audience and says, that's the Holy Spirit. That's truth knocking you down. No, it's not. I don't know. I want to get so blunt that the believers will hear and listen and the unbelieving Pentecostal charismatics will get enraged at me. I don't care about that. I don't mind the enragement. I'm encouraged when people write to me and say, you've delivered me out of that Pentecostal faith-healing movement. It's not true. Have you noticed... None of them have answers for the coronavirus. Kenneth Copeland's blowing the coronavirus, going, I'm blowing you away. I'm commanding you to get away from this man. And they're not. It continues. We may be, have the coronavirus from now on. Has it ever occurred to you about that, that it's just incurable? Now, look here. They say that God wants you to have lots of money. You got to remember, love of money is the root of all evil. Love of money is philogoria, P-H-I-L-A-R. G-U-R-I-A. Philogoria. It is a construction of philos, 
which is a form of phileo, which means affection. It means to have an affection for augury, A-R-G-U-R-Y. Augury is a word that means silver or shining. So if you love money and you're sending your money to Kenneth Copeland or Fred Price or T.D. Jakes so you can get rich, you got the wrong idea in mind. Love of money is the love of shining. The scripture says in Peter, God resists the proud. Resist proud. There's three words for proud in the Greek text. This word is, this word proud is hupere. P-H-A-N-O-S. That's the word proud. It comes from hooper, meaning above, and phanos, that's spelled P-H-A-I-N-O-S. It's spelled different in proud, P-H-A-N-O-S, and phanos means to shine. Resist is the word antitasomai. Antitasomai means to wage war with people who like to shine above others because they have an affection for shining or love of money. You think that applies to Copeland and company? I keep after him because he is the father of that movement now, now that Kenneth Hagin has died and Oral Roberts is dead. And they both died of a disease. Why didn't they get one of those charismatics to pray over them and heal them? It's just not true. If you go by the Word of God, if you're listening to Pentecostalism and charismatic doctrine, it's an out-and-out lie. And what they do is they pervert the Word of God to get their way. This is verse here when the scripture says in verse 23 Jesus looked around about and saith unto his disciples how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God duskolos d-u-s-k-o-l-o-s how hardly if a man is rich Kenneth Copeland says he's worth a billion dollars. Now, what is a preacher doing with a billion dollars? He's, a, he's 83 years old. He can't live much longer. What's he going to do with that money? He's going to die, and people are going to fight over it. So it means with difficulty... It's a difficult thing to have a lot of money and go to heaven. How can you take your cross and die daily with a lot of money? You can't. Then Peter says down here, or Jesus says in verse 25, 
or verse 24, look at the red letters. Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? Kingdom of God was a term for Israel. Spiritual Israel is the church. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. There was another saying among the Hebrews, it's easier for an elephant to go through the eye of a needle. The eye of a needle was not a gate in the side of Jerusalem where he had to unload a camel, wasn't it? That's a fairy tale that men have invented. It actually means what it says. It's easier for a camel to squeeze through a needle's eye than for a rich man to go to heaven. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved if rich men can't hardly get in? And Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that has left house and brethren and sisters and father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. And they claim this is the hundredfold blessing. There's a guy named John Avanzini out of Fort Worth, one of their big faith healers. And they implored, they employ him to come and preach this hundredfold blessing. And he uses these verses. There's no man that's left all that he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren. Oh, in other words, if you ought to get a hundred houses and a hundred brothers. So your mother's going to have to get pregnant a hundred more times if this is literal. And have a hundred baby brothers for you and sisters. Oh, she'll have to get pregnant again another hundred times so you can have a hundred sisters. And mothers, you're going to have to have a hundred mothers. And you're going to have to be reincarnated over and over and over again if this is literal. And children, you're going to have to have a hundred kids. You're going to have to get your wife pregnant a hundred times. And lands with persecutions. What are the hundred mothers, the hundred brothers? and hundred sisters he tells you in this book in this third chapter of Mark here's your hundred mothers and brothers and sisters that's very figurative language Jesus was in a house and when he was in this house his brothers and sisters came to see him. And you can find that in the 6th chapter of Mark where he had all these brothers and sisters. They came to see him. Verse 31, There came then his brother and his mother and standing outside 
sent unto him calling and the multitude sat about him and they said unto him behold thy mother and thy brethren are outside the house and they're seeking you and he answered them saying who is my mother and my brethren and he looked around about them which sat about him and said behold my mother and my brethren for whosoever shall do the will of God the same as my brother my hundredfold brothers and my sister my hundredfold sisters and my mother my hundredfold mother that's God's children that are doing the will of God so when he says this over here in the 10th chapter of Mark he's not talking about they always get to the first part but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time houses that means my house is your house if you need a place to stay if I can't put you up somewhere I've got to sacrifice my, my house and that'll be your house my food is your food my money is your money that's why we take up offerings every service for the poor and the needy because my money is your money we have all things common in the church now these charismatics they're doing the same thing the Pharisees were doing the Pharisees had their own law I keep telling this story they simply perverted the word of God Israel was a nation under kings for 510 years they were under judges for 375 to 400 years somewhere in that neighborhood and they were and they were carried away into captivity at the end of their kingdom now because they were corrupt as priests of God in the kingdom and they were preaching false doctrine they were lying to Israel to go after Baal in the grove Baal in the grove Israel was carried away into captivity northern Israel was carried off by the Assyrians southern Judah was carried off by the Babylonians or they were carried off into Babylon which is what we call Iraq on the Euphrates River that runs down to the Persian Gulf where we had that war in the early 90s Babylon Iraq is here and they were carried away when they got to Iraq or Babylon they said we need a law to live by they didn't have anything they were sitting there on rocks under a tree they'd been carried about 650 
to 700 miles away. If they could have just walked across the desert, which they couldn't, because this is thousands of square miles of desert, they would have died. So the king of Babylon has to come north and come in from the north and carry southern Judah into captivity over in Babylon. When they get there, they say, we need a law. So they take the, the Torah or the Pentateuch Pentateuch, I'll write it right in a minute. P-E-N-T-P-E-N-T-E-T-E-U-C-H. Pent means five. The Pentateuch was the first five books of the Bible. The Jews called it Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They said they had 613 laws in that. So they translated it from the Hebrew Old Testament into the, the Aramaic of the Babylonian people. They spoke Aramaic over there. Well, the men who were leading this, this translation, they called the translation the Targum, and they brought it over here to Israel. What I'm doing is showing you how the Charismatics and the Baptists and the rest of the church today, the Baptists are not any better than the Charismatics. They're preaching a false doctrine about accept Christ. Let Jesus come into your heart. Give your life to Jesus. You can't give your heart or your life to Jesus. You don't seek God when you're dead in sin. The way you get salvation, since there's none that seeks after God, none. There's none good, none righteous. God has to pick himself a people out of the population of the world, all mankind, and put faith in the hearts of those that he favors and that's called grace grace is unmerited favor it's the word charis has the basic same meaning as elect or election elect eclectos means favored and those that are elected to obedience those are the ones that God favors. Well, they get over here to Babylon and they bring this Targum into Babylon and they translate it over to Aramaic. When they translate it, they've got, they set up a, rabbi, a rabbinical system, a system of rabbis. It means master or teacher. And they say, our rabbis will have to interpret in the Aramaic what this Hebrew verses mean in these 613 laws. And they, they translate it, they have a verbal translation, a verbal law. 
And it is the word tradition in the New Testament. Anytime you find the word tradition, it is the word paradosis. And that is the verbal law, the verbal law, what the Pharisees said, or the rabbis. I keep calling the Pharisees rabbi God, rabbis, and this is this, this synagogue that they organized. They teach this traditionary law of Moses, and they said that tradition can only pass down from word of mouth, and it could not be, it's not based on any original truth. The only truth it's based on is the twisting of the Torah or the Pentateuch. And they twisted it, and they gave their opinions of what that meant. The rabbis did that, or pluralist rabbin. The rabbins did that. So when they did that, they added their opinions, and they had a head rabbi or a chief rabbi in the place of having a high priest. In the place of a temple, they had a synagogue. That's all corrupt. And what was really corrupt was the verbal law of the Pharisees. And each time a new head rabbi, a, a head rabbi would die, a new one would be appointed. And for a, over 600 years until Jesus' time, when the rabbis came back to Jerusalem, set up synagogue there, they had twisted the word of God as to what it meant what all the Bible meant, and they did the same thing that the Baptists, Pentecostals, Charismatics, Episcopalians, Catholics, and the rest of them, they're all given an opinion of what the Bible means, and they're not going back to the Greek words, and they say, we got the King James Bible, and that's good enough. No, it's not. There's all kinds of error in the King James Bible. What you need is an interlinear Bible. The King James comes out of this Textus Receptus. It has the Greek on the top line and has the English right under it. And I don't even trust the English in an interlinear Bible. The English was put in there by men, and they didn't know sometimes what they were doing. I believe we have to go back to the original Greek text, get some Greek books, get some analytical lexicons, find out what part of speech it is, what the word actually means, and compare it with, compare scripture with scripture. I can't even begin to tell you how I feel about this. I've spent 63, going on 64 years studying Bible. I've studied the Greek for the last 41 or 42 years as hard as I can, constantly researching, 
Greek books by Mr. Mounts, by Mr. Wallace, studying the interlinears, studying these these dictionaries and encyclopedias, the Hastings 13-volume set, McClinic and Strong 12-volume set, Isidore Singer 12 volumes of Jewish encyclopedia, the Judaica 17 volumes of a Jewish encyclopedia, and the Jews will tell you what they meant when they said something. All I've done is studied enough to realize I don't know very much. I know more than preachers know. I know more than some of the doctors of theology know. But when you study so much, you come to the realization nobody will ever have a full understanding of the Word of God. It's God's Word. Now, I'm talking to you about the Pharisees. When to get to Jesus' time, in the Old Testament, in early Babylon, while the Jews were there, they took these words and they had several interpretations. They had a verbal law. It's called halakha. And then they had a written law that's called Haggadah. The verbal law could only be spoken aloud and can be added to the opinions by the incoming head rabbi as one would die. And this new head, if he was a very liberal man, he'd put liberal thinking in it. The Haggadah could only be written down. It could not be spoken aloud. They went through all kinds of changes in these. It developed from the Midrash, which means a story, that tell all kinds of stories in the Halakha that are ridiculous. You can get this about the Halakha and the Haggadah out of McClinic and Strong. Encyclopedias, that 12-volume set, you can get that under the title, get the T-volume, look at Talmud. Talmud. It went through the Midrash. When you get to Jesus' time, they called it the Mishnah. And even though God said you couldn't speak the Halakha, you couldn't write the Halakha down, and the Haggadah you couldn't speak aloud, somehow, about 200 A.D., all this came together, and it became the Talmud. And it had been in development well over 500 years back to the Babylonian synagogue, the Talmud. And I've got the Mishnah right over here. You can get the Mishnah, it will say some of the most ridiculous things. You can look in your McClinic and Strong, it will say outrageous things. This is the Mishnah right here. 
Mishnah. That's a compilation of Halakha and Haggadah. You can get a copy of this and it'll tell you the ridiculous things that they put in the scriptures. I've given you a bunch of them already. I gave you what they said about gleanings. The Bible says the gleanings all belong to the poor. They said, but if a gleaning fell off the back of your hand or you got stuck with a thorn and you dropped it and you couldn't help it, you could pick that up and keep that. And the Bible says, no. Well, that's what they added in the halakha. They put the they put the proselyte baptism in the halakha. I'll get that right in a minute. S e l y t e proselyte process, which was circumcision, washing in water, and the two turtle doves. That was a part of their halakha. That wasn't the law of God. But since the Pharisees were ruling, they could do whatever they wanted to. And the reason Jesus was washed in water, they were calling him a Samaritan. And Samaria was northern Israel, and they wouldn't step foot in there because they said it had been polluted by the Assyrians. When they moved in there to carry Israel captive, they moved a lot of their soldiers in there that intermarried with the Israelites. And they brought their son and tree gods in and mixed them with Jehovah worship. And Jesus said to the woman at the well of Samaria, you worship, you know not what? You know whether worshiping Jehovah or Baal in the grove. Now, I want to read to you some of the things. I've also got a set of books. There's a set of books called Literature of the Sages. Literature of the Sages. A sage was a wise person, but it was about the wisdom of the Pharisees of the Babylonian synagogue. So I would call it the literature of the unwise sages or the false sages. And they had two volumes, volume one and volume two. And this is in the Compendia series. Compendia series started in about 1964. It was effort on Jews and Christians to show you what their history was and there's a lot of the things that they believed. This came out of the compendia. So, literature of the sages. And you've got, and that is two volumes. Then you've also got this set of books. Commentary on the New Testament from the Dabon and Hebraica. This was written and compiled by a man named John Lightfoot. Excellent, excellent books on researching the laws of the Pharisees or the laws of the rabbis. And what he does, he goes through the New Testament and he tells you as much as he could study, he couldn't get it all. But he tells you as much as he could how Jesus would contradict the Pharisees. He started off in his first message, the Sermon on the Mount, and Matthew 5, when he would say, It hath been said, 
hath been said. Said is the key word. He said it was said by the Pharisees of old time talking about the Babylonian synagogue. Said is a reference to the verbal law. They said that verbal law was stronger than anything that God wrote on stones in on the mount when he gave these laws to Moses. They said the strongest thing was the verbal law and anytime you see that written down, that's a lie. But people don't warn you of that. Now, I was going to read to you some of the things out of... How much time do I have, Mike? I keep working up to this and I don't get to all of it. Uh, in the Mishnah, it'll tell you about the Aruban or the Arubic, some spell it Aruban or Arubic. E R U B I N or E R U B I C. Okay. The Arubic was the law of the Pharisees that on Friday before 6 o'clock, before sundown, around 6 o'clock, they had to do three things. They had to light a candle. It was against the law to light any fires on the Sabbath. They had to light a candle. This is the Arubic. Light candle. When the Bible says over there in John that the Sabbath began to shine, it doesn't mean it got to be morning and the Sabbath was shining from the sun at the horizon. That's not it. It's talking about the lighting of the candle before sundown. Sundown. Since you couldn't light any fires on the Sabbath, and the only light they had were candles, or actually they were dishes. Candle was invented during King James era, the wax candles. And number two, they had to prepare their food for that day because they couldn't cook on that day. Prepare food. If you're keeping a a literal Sabbath, you can't eat, you can't prepare any food, and you can't go down to a restaurant and help some other man let him break your Sabbath by preparing you food. And they had to pay their tithe. And that's in the Arabic. And that'll give you, and they put some ridiculous things in this Arabic. Then they got in there about the bill of divorce on page 259, which is called the Gittim. And the Gittim was the bill. Bill of divorce was an equal division of the properties. One half went to the man, one half went to the woman. That's why Jesus was saying the things he was saying. People say, you can't get married after you're divorced. Well, Jesus was divorced. And he married the church after that. 
What? Look at Jeremiah. Third chapter. If Jesus could get married to the church after his divorce from Israel, I guess you can remarry according to Deuteronomy, the 24th chapter, the first three verses. If a woman does something unseemly, the way Jesus put it, if she commits fornication or adultery, you need to give her a bill of divorce so she can go and be married to another. That was very important. Mercy was tempered with the law. It has to be understood that she repented there. And if you repent, you can go on living, but you'll have to pay for that, just like David had to pay when he committed adultery and murder. For his sin, he should have been put to death unless he was repentant. And he said, I alone have sinned. It wasn't Bathsheba. Now, in the third chapter of Jeremiah, this is talking about God divorcing Israel. Verse 6, The Lord said unto me, In the days of Josiah the king, Hast thou seen that which backsliding Israel hath done? She hath gone up on every high mountain, and under every green tree, and there hath played the harlot. God called their gods their lovers, and he called that harlotry. How is America involved in idol worship? Covetousness is idolatry. Pleonectes. Covetousness is idol worship. It's idolatry. The Bible says that. In Ephesians, the fifth chapter, and Colossians, the third chapter. A, Colossus, a, a covetous man is an idolater. It means to want more by any devious way you can get it. Want more by hooking somebody out of their house, out of their car, by doing something devious that you know is devious. It means to want more. And that's our idol when we want more, our idol is self. It's just as bad as Baal in the grove of Israel. It's when you go after the idol of self. And that's what Copeland and these guys are doing. And that's what the Pharisees were doing. They twisted the word of God to have their way. Jesus attacked them on every point when he said, when he said, you devour widows' houses in that 23rd chapter of Matthew. The Pharisee could not own property or have a bank account. And the Pharisees would court some woman and get on her good side and get her to leave their property and their estate to them. That's devouring widows' houses. That's what it was called. They do that today. TBN says, leave your estate to TBN and let it do the work of God. That's not the work of God when it's lying like you people are. You say, boy, you out to get these people. Yeah. 
I want to warn everybody I can about liars and thieves and crooks. These men are what you call froward. Every time you see the word froward, it means to twist. They twist the word of God. They're froward. It tells you they're thieves and they're liars. Anybody who twists the word of God is a thief and a liar. Gosh, and then he says over here, She's laid in every green tree. And I said after she had done all these things, turn thou unto verse 7 of chapter 3 of Jeremiah. Turn thou unto me, but she returned not. And her treacherous sister Judah saw it. And that's when Judah goes after Bel in the grove through Ahab. And I saw when all the causes therefore backsliding Israel committed adultery I had put her away and given her a bill of divorce God divorced Israel I guess he can't preach right he preached to the spirits in prison which were the Gentiles with the resurrection so I guess we can have you come to our church if you've never been divorced but if you've been divorced, you can't come, Jesus. We're not going to let you preach for us. He gave her a bill of divorce, yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not, but went and played the harlot also. So God's divorced Israel and marrying the church. Do with that what you want to. I get to, I'm, I'm sick of people thinking they know the Bible and they don't. All right. Now, do I have any time? Three. Three minutes. You get into the get them in page 307, the bill of divorce in page 259. And they had all, they put all their spin on all of this. And you get a lot of this in about the Holocaust in this set of books uh, by... Lightfoot, excellent set of books. And he'll tell you, I don't have time to go through it. I'll bring it out next week. Who your neighbor is, who your brother is. The lawyer that came to Jesus, he wasn't a lawyer like downtown Nashville. He was a scribe. Scribes, they sat all day long copying the, the book of the law. They knew everything that they said. And he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? The guy was lying when he asked the question. He knew that he believed the neighbor was a proselyte. And he knew that his brother was a fellow Israelite. When Jesus said, my brothers and my sisters are those who do the will of the Father, that was in the face of these guys. Because they said their brother had to be a fellow Israelite. And they could kill their neighbor, which was a proselyte, a Gentile, and there'd be no penalty on it. Jesus said, when you do that, you got to pay God. You gotta... Everything that Jesus said in the Gospels was an attack on the Pharisees' halakha. It was just a twisting of the Word of God the same thing the Baptists and the Charismatics and the Pentecostals and the Church of Christ. They don't know that baptism is blood. 
not water. We're living in the most corrupt times in the history of the world. The thing that's wrong with America, there's too much money here. And it blinds people. People are choked with the money. That's that one of those seeds. They are deceived by money, the Bible says. I want to come back and go through some of these books. I keep trying to get to it. I really have everything against the charismatics and the Pentecostal doctrines. It's not true. If the Bible's true, it's not true. I'm fed up with them. I've spent my life studying. And these people don't know anything about anything. They just read a verse and say, I think that means what you think, what God thinks are two different things. Your thoughts are my thoughts, he said. You can't think like I think. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you for truth. Sometimes I don't know where to go with this message, Lord. It's just, it's everything that's wrong with the nation. It's just listening to the preachers and they're just lying to get money from people. I pray you'll stop this. If you have to leave the coronavirus here for the rest of our lives, just put us through it. I know this is your judgment. Thank you for truth. Cause us to continue as long as we can. Let us say the truth. I will say it. I don't care what the cost is. Lord, you've brought me to that point. I don't care what it costs me. I'm going to say the truth because I want you to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thou in the joys of thy Lord. Fight our battles. I don't feel like fighting God. You fight for me. Lead us to your elect family in Christ's name. Amen. I've got it in for the Charismatics and the Pentecostals. They're stealing from the poor and the native.